This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back to Worth Recovery, podcast featuring women in sex addiction. My name is Amy. I'm your host here and the founder of Worth Recovery. And I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. So I am excited today to bring you our next episode about the drama triangle, episode 127. That's today. And we're going to talk about examples of the drama triangle. So if you remember right... From our last episode on this topic, that was episode 125, we talked about, I kind of introduced you to the drama triangle. And uh, we had you imagine a triangle, right? And uh, this is done by uh, Cartman was his his last name. So sometimes it's called the Cartman triangle. And each one of the points of this triangle represent a role in the drama, right? So I'm sure that you have friends. I'm sure that sometimes you feel like your own life is like, all drama, right? And you're just like, this is so much drama. How do I dial this back? How do I turn this down? I remember when I got into recovery um, and and like my addiction had kind of, you know, subsided and wasn't a major part of my life. And yet I still felt like there was all of this drama going on. And sometimes I would feel like I was wearing this sign somewhere that says like, you know, tell me your drama or I am a basket case or, you know, I will listen to everything that you have to say, you know, or whatever. I don't know. Some of these weird signs because some of these weird situations and drama situations that would come into my life. And I figured somehow I was wearing this sign, right? And so the truth is sometimes we are wearing a sign because we have lived in the drama triangle for so long that we have taken on one of these personas. So in the drama triangle, remember it was a triangle and there's three corners of a triangle or three angles in a triangle. And in this representation, they represent a victim, a persecutor, and a rescuer. And in our last episode, I gave you descriptions on what those are and and kind of how those might manifest, some of the words you might choose, some of the things that might go on if that's if you're in the drama triangle. And I intended last time to give you some examples of how that plays out, uh, but I just ran out of time. So we're going to do this episode all about examples today. And then in our last episode of this series, uh, we'll talk about how do I get out of the drama triangle, right? So what's my way out of the drama triangle? So, but before we jump into kind of some examples, uh, just a few quick reminders. We've got some great events coming up this fall. The Courage Conference Series will continue in Buffalo, New York, in Atlanta, Georgia, and in Bellevue, Washington. So get online, look at that information, um, and we would love to have you join us in one of those cities. Also, I'd love to have you join us as a speaker. Um, At the Courage Conference, we have... The Courage Council, and that's 
um, addicts just like you or partners or others that identify with us in this uh, podcast who might want to share their courage story with us. So if that's you, I would love, love, love to hear from you. So you can get me on the website, uh, worthrecovery.com, www.worthrecovery.com, and just go to the events tab. And there's a place on there for you to kind of just connect with me. Um, or you can just email me directly, amy, A-M-Y, at worthrecovery.com. I'd love to have you involved in that. I'd love to see you this fall and and spend some time with you. So let me know um, and we'll get all of that information Um, All of that's on the website, worthrecovery.com. Also, we've started our dating intensives or our intensives, um, partnering with John and Jackie for the Thanks for Sharing podcast. Um, And so we would love to have you at one of our intensives coming up as well. We've got one in June about dating and recovery. So you can find information on that on One Layer Deeper, onelayerdeeper.com, just as it sounds, just spelled out, O N E. L-A-Y-E-R, deeper, D-E-E-P-E-R.com. So we'd love to have you at one of those because dating is hard. Being relational is hard. That's where this drama triangle thing comes in, right? When we're trying to be relational with other people, we run into some challenges. Um, so yeah, so get on the website, figure that out. We would love to have you at any of those events coming up this fall. Um, I also have some other awesome announcements. Uh, This coming week or this coming month, beginning June 1st, we're going to have some awesome opportunities for you to be more involved in the community of Worth Recovery. So that we're going to have a sponsorship academy. If you've been wanting to work the 12 steps and haven't had a sponsor or you are wanting to sponsor better or you're wanting to get some ideas on how to sponsor. I get so many questions about sponsoring. How do we sponsor? What if I never had a sponsor? How do I figure this out? Um, And so all of that's going to be um, available in a a coaching class. Um, It's beginning June 1st. So there's some information on the website about that too. You can get on worthrecovery.com and check out the Sponsorship Academy. And then also we're going to start some group coaching classes. I've been doing individual recovery coaching now for uh, about a year and a half and have loved every, every minute of it. And, uh, and I want to make it more accessible for anybody that needs or feels like they want some type of coaching. Um, and this comes out of many requests for, from so many of you on how do I get more connected with women? How do I get some support and help? How do I figure things out? How do I move forward in my life? How do I make the changes I want to? And so we have that coming up in June as well. So I'm excited for all of these things we have coming. It's going to be awesome. Um, if you are not already on the Worth Recovery mailing list, you'll want to do that on the website too. It's the very first thing you see when you go to the website. You can enter in your name and email address, and then you'll get all sorts of great information about these things coming up. So again, worthrecovery.com. We'd love to see you. I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, just talking really fast, not rambling, just talking fast. So we'll slow down just a little bit. Okay. The drama triangle examples. So Last time at the end of our episode 125, I challenged you to think about which role you identify with the most. And I like to call that like my entrance, my gateway or my entrance into the drama triangle, right? Which role is it that hooks me most often and brings me into the drama triangle? For you, that might be the victim. 
maybe you have this mentality of like, I, nothing's my fault, right? There's always some other explanation, um, poor me. And, and that's kind of what drags you into the drama triangle all the time. Maybe you're a persecutor and also nothing's your fault, but you like to blame everyone else in your life, right? It's always someone else's fault. Um, and so you're the persecutor and you rage or you get angry or upset or you accuse people constantly. And maybe that's your entrance. That's your gateway in. Or maybe you're the rescuer, right? You're the one that's always helping or fixing. You're the one that's um, making things happen. And maybe that's how you get roped into the drama triangle. So one of those roles is your gateway. It's your way in. Okay. And one of those things really resonates with you. So I hope you thought about that after our last episode and you can kind of identify that role for you as we go in to this, some of these examples. So for me, just my own experience here, uh, my, my gateway into the drama triangle is nearly always through the rescuer chair. That is how I get roped into the drama triangle. From the time I was really little, I have memories of my mom telling me like, it is your job to keep the family together. It is your job to keep the family happy. It's your job to protect me from your dad when he gets angry. It's your job. And I, I just have these scripts um, that camp, that come up for me and really kind of you know, set me up to be for the rescuer chair to be my gateway into the drama triangle. As I've talked to more and more people about this, I find that your gateway are, are originated from your family of origin. And so your gateway in comes from these family of origin scripts, um, parents, siblings, you know, whatever else it was, these family of origin scripts that you learned and that role that you played in your family of origin is kind of what sets you up to get into the drama triangle. It's what makes that, that gateway for you. And, and that's hard to challenge, especially when we're children, especially, you know, or even young adults, it's hard to kind of come out of that denial and challenge our own, um, scripts about our lives and how we kind of get into this drama triangle. Now, the reason I just call it your gateway is because once you're into the drama triangle, we just we just filter through and fly through the different roles of the drama triangle at blinding speed. Um, I might start as a rescuer, but it only takes one sentence for me to be a, a persecutor or one sentence for me to be um, a a victim, right? Like we cycle through these three roles at blinding speeds. So I'm going to get, I'm going to give you a couple examples, um, of how we cycle through. Um, and then I'll give you a couple personal examples, but, uh, this is just a script, um, that I, I found online at manchesterpsychotherapy.co.uk, just so you know that. So, um, and he talks about really the importance of seeing how easy it is to flip roles within the drama triangle because it really, really is easy. So he gives this example of a conversation between two friends. Okay. So Jamie starts, Jamie, why are you late again? You are always late for everything and I'm sick of it. 
So that's a persecutor statement, right? And her friend Leslie says, oh, I'm really sorry. I, I forgot to set my alarm. Please don't be mad at me. So that's a victim statement right there. Please don't be mad at me, right? Like, don't, you know, don't be mad at me. Don't feel your emotions, right? Like, that's a victim statement. I'm really sorry. Please don't be mad at me. So her friend Jamie comes back with, well, you're stupid and inconsiderate. I have no idea why I put up with you. Again, a clear persecutor statement, right? Why do I put up with you? You're inconsiderate. You're stupid. Her friend Leslie responds with, it's not as if you are perfect. Stop shouting at me now. Otherwise, you'll regret it. Okay, so here we have a role change, right? So Leslie originally was like, I'm sorry. Don't be mad at me. So she was playing the victim. And now she's switched chairs. She's the she's the persecutor. It's not as if you are perfect. Stop shouting at me. And now, now otherwise, you'll regret it. So she's flipped chair. She's like, I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm going to be the persecutor. Now her friend Jamie comes back with, okay, okay, calm down. I didn't mean to upset you. So now I'm the, now Jamie's the victim. She started out as the persecutor, but when someone flips a role, it requires all of us to flip a role. So we now we now have a persecutor and a victim that have switched places. And then Leslie comes back with, well, you never, it's not like you ever helped me with my lateness. So what do you expect? So again, a persecutor, it's your fault that I'm late. You're not helping me. It's your fault, right? Persecutor. Jamie comes back with, okay, so from now on, I will set your alarm for you and make sure that you get out of the house on time. So now Jamie has switched to a rescuer role. See how that kind of all played out, right? So Jamie starts as the persecutor. You know, why are you always late? Leslie comes back with, I'm sorry. I forgot to set my alarm. Don't be mad. So she's the victim. Jamie comes back with, well, that's not good enough, right? You're stupid. You're inconsiderate. Why do I put up with you? And Leslie comes back with, it's not like you're perfect. Stop shouting at me. So she becomes the persecutor. Switch of roles. So Jamie has to take up a different role. So the first role she takes up is a victim. Okay, okay, calm down. I didn't mean to upset you. Leslie, well, it's not like you ever helped me, right, with my lateness. So what do you expect? So again, stays in that persecutor role. And then Jamie switches again. Okay, so from now on, I will set your alarm for you and I'll make sure that you get out of the house on time. She set herself up as the rescuer now. So just in, you know, eight sentences here, right, eight or ten lines, we're able to see how quickly and how easy it is to switch back and forth between roles in the drama triangle, which makes it really difficult for us. And it's very confusing sometimes because I enter as a rescuer and sometimes, like I said, just one sentence later, I'm now a persecutor or one sentence later, I'm now a victim. And if if I don't know what's going on or if I'm not careful, it can feel like we're dancing and dancing around all of these different roles and getting nowhere. I'm confident you have probably had that experience where you've been in a conversation with someone and you're getting nowhere and you're not even sure what's going on or how we got to where we got to. Or you thought the conversation was about this and then, you know, five minutes later, it's about something totally different and you're thinking, what's going on? Well, it's because we're flipping through these, cycling through these roles so quickly that we can't even keep up sometimes. And we're not even sure what's going on. Okay, so let me give you another example. So this example comes from Lynn Forrest. Uh, she has an article and, um, and on her website uh, called The Three Faces of a Victim. It's an overview of the drama triangle. And she gives this example. 
And I think it's a really good example. She says, dad comes home from work to find mom and junior engaged in a battle. Clean up your room or else, persecutor mom threatens. Dad immediately comes to Junior's rescue. Mom, he might say, give the boy a break. He's been at school all day. Okay, so here we've got three, uh, three roles, right? Mom is the persecutor. Junior becomes the victim because dad picked up the rescuer role, right? Like, he's, he's been at school all day. Give him a break. Any one of several possibilities might follow, Lynn continues to write. Perhaps persecutor mom, feeling victimized by the dad, will turn with wrath on him. In that case, she moves dad from rescuer to victim because now she's going to persecute him. They then might do a few quick trips around the triangle with Junior on the sidelines. Or maybe Junior joins dad in, persecute, in persecuting mom. Let's gang up on mom approach. Or then again, maybe Junior will turn on dad, rescuing mom with, mind your own business, dad. I don't need your help. So it goes with endless variations, but nonetheless, pinging from corner to corner on the triangle. For many families, it's the only way they know how to react. So I love this example because... It shows you how quickly you can flip through these roles without even recognizing what's going on, right? One parent comes home, parent and child are arguing. So you've got a persecutor and a victim of some sort. And this parent is like set up to pick up that third role. Either they pick up a persecutor role, they picked up a victim role, they pick up a rescuer role. Whatever role it is that they pick up, usually their entrance or their gateway role and then that requires everyone else to respond or act accordingly. And we go back and forth and back and forth. Like she says, for some families, it's the only way they know how to react. And it could be so many different things. I think of a childhood example. Um, my mom, so when we were younger, my mom and my dad did not do a really great job of communicating and really struggled in their relationship. Um, and my mom would disappear for a few days sometimes, usually every couple months. She would disappear for, I don't know, two or three days. She would go to her parents' house and spend that time there and leave the six of us kids with my dad. Now, we weren't really, I mean, at least I wasn't really um, aware enough to understand what was going on. Um, that my mom and dad were having a problem because my mom would leave and my dad would turn into the persecutor. So we would, you know, my dad would say things like, if you guys were better children, your mom wouldn't have to leave, right? Like it would be all about, we were the victims and my dad was the persecutor. And we would, he would make us clean the house from top to bottom and we would even like shampoo floors. And we, I mean, we would just do all of this stuff because we weren't being good enough children and so we, we needed to, um, to make up for it. And, but then sometimes my brother, I have this one brother who was a little feisty and he, he wouldn't, he wouldn't really have very much of that from my dad. And so he would turn into a persecutor of my dad and be like, well, you're never home and you cause problems for us and that type of thing. And then my dad, you know, would turn into this victim of like, you know, I work all day to, you know, allow you guys to have food and, and, um, you know, and now you're, you know, you're taking it out on me and poor me and I have to work all day long and you guys get to play all day long and, you know, these kind of things. 
And it would set up me, usually, to be the rescuer um, and rescue my dad and side against my brother. And, and we would ping through this cycle <laughs> three or four, maybe six times over the weekend while my mom was gone. Um, and it was really difficult for me because here I have a parent and two kids and we're trying to, you know, navigate this whole thing. And, and it's hard. It's hard to make sense of exactly what is going on. I think of another example for me um, that comes from my addiction is, and I shared a little bit about this, but um, it's just the idea that like, again, I enter the drama triangle um, from the rescuer mode, right? I'm a helper. I'm a fixer. And as I got, you know, I, all I wanted in life when I was younger, if you read my journal, like all I wanted in life when I was younger was to get married and have a family. And I wanted to have like 10 kids. I, that was just really important to me. And I really, really wanted to make that happen. And I felt like I sacrificed my entire life. That's, that's my drama triangle, right? Response, uh, taking care of my own siblings, taking care of my parents, taking care of the things that I felt like my higher power was directing me to do. And early in my twenties, as my friends started to pair off and get married and, uh, and have children and things, it was incredibly difficult for me to watch that when I wasn't having success in that area. And so I would enter this drama triangle <laughs> and uh, sometimes it would start with, you know, me being the victim. So I would say to my higher power, like, I've done all of this work um, for you in your name and I can't have what I want, right? So that's my victim, like, poor me, like, I can't have what I want um, and I've done all this thing. Like a lot of times that attitude's called the martyr, right? The victim. Um, I've done all these things. And so I felt like my higher power was persecuting me um, and I was the victim. And so I needed a rescuer in that situation, right? And for me, that rescuer came in acting out partners. So my acting out partners were the people that rescued me from this victimhood of my higher power. Now, sometimes it went the other way around. Sometimes I would persecute my higher power, right? Because I could really easily switch from poor me, poor me, look at all this sacrifice I've made to you did this to me. You asked me to sacrifice. You put me in this family. You put me in this situation, higher power, where I had to do these things. Like you are the problem here. And so I switched from poor me to persecutor role, from victim to persecutor. And I still needed a rescuer. And that rescuer continued to be this fantasy addiction acting out life that I had. These acting out partners, as well as just my own like pornography addiction or masturbation or, but my addiction became my rescuer in this situation. And I think that that's an important, um, I think that's an important thing to examine and look at when we're looking at the drama triangle is that sometimes, you know, really destructive behaviors become part of that drama triangle for us. Um, I think addiction a lot of times is just the symptom of a deeper problem, um, but it's also a symptom and a, and a pattern of, de 
of behavior. Wow, pattern of behavior that we develop usually for a reason. Um, we develop these, their coping mechanisms or strategies, right? And we develop them for a reason. And, and so a lot of times our addiction or our addictive behaviors or our addictive partners or whatever that is becomes one of the roles on this drama triangle that we're acting out. I've seen a lot of times where it's like mother and daughter in these victim persecutor roles. And again, the boyfriend or the acting out partner or the cosmic lover, if we're a love addict, become the rescuer in that situation. I think a lot of us as women um, turn to addictions because of the drama triangle, because of these roles that, that we play and they get played out on us in our lives. And like, like I read earlier, sometimes we just don't know any other way of behaving or any other way of relating to other people. And so we just play out and ping from corner to corner on this um, drama triangle, trying to make things work. So I hope you found those examples helpful. Um, I challenge you to really think about your own life. See if you can come up with some examples of where you've seen uh, yourself or others kind of ping back and forth or switch back and forth between these different roles on the drama triangle. We always, in order to pick up a role, we have to have others pick up other roles as well. So even if it's just two of us arguing or two of us in the drama triangle, like people, there's something else that's that's taking up that third corner, that third role. And so I challenge you to kind of really, really think about that. Um, I just want to share, let's see, two quotes that I have. Um, I found this article from Lynn Forrest really helpful. Um, and she gave the example of the like mother or the um, father, mother, junior kind of example. But I also found these these really helpful in just trying to kind of understand how this happened. So this one says, quote, it's only when we become convinced that we can't take care of ourselves that we move into victim. Believing that we are frail, powerless, or defective keeps us needing rescue. Anxiety forces us to be always on the lookout for someone stronger or more capable to take care of us. This regulates us into a life, oh, not not regulates. This relegates us to a lifetime of crippling dependency on our primary relationships. Victims deny both their problem-solving abilities and their potential for self-generated power. This doesn't prevent them from feeling highly resentful towards those whom they depend, as much as they insist on being taken care of by pre their primary rescuers. They nonetheless do not appreciate being reminded of their inadequacy. A close quote. So let me tell you what I love about that. Because Lynn calls the drama triangle, she refers to it as the three faces of a victim. Um, because in all in all uh, corners of the drama triangle, there is an element of victimhood in there. Basically, she's saying here at the beginning, like, it's when we become convinced that we can't take care of ourselves that we move into the drama triangle, that we move into the face of a victim. So when you're a, a when you're, when your entry into the drama triangle is victimhood, then that makes sense, right? Like, I can't take care of myself. It's not It's not my fault. But the persecutor has the same attitude. It's your fault. It's not my fault. It's your fault, right? And so again, they're not taking care of 
um, of themselves, right? They can't take care of themselves. And the rescuer has the exact same attitude. I can't take care of myself. I have to take care of other people, right? It's my job to fix other people. I can't, I can't stop and take care of my own needs. I need to take care of other people. And I just love how she points that out. It's only when we become convinced that we can't take care of ourselves that we move into victim. Believing that we are frail, powerless, or defective keeps us needing rescue. So that's that sign that we put on our forehead that says, I'm frail, powerless, and defective. I need to be rescued. Um, I need to be in the drama triangle. And then she continues, anxiety forces us to be always on the lookout for someone stronger or more capable to take care of us. This relegates us to a lifetime of crippling dependency on our primary relationships. I would say even as a rescuer, we don't always consider rescuers as dependents um, or in codependency or uh, dependent on their primary relationships, I would say. But I, I can speak from a rescuer position um, that that we are dependent on our primary relationships because we're dependent on someone to rescue and we're dependent on someone to rescue so that we don't have to take care of ourselves or take care of our own needs. And I feel like I definitely have experienced that since my mom has passed away last fall. Um, I have felt so lost. And so like I definitely had a rescuer a relationship with my mom. I was her rescuer. And since losing that primary relationship, even though I had taken lots of steps to change it or step back or make some changes and do things differently, I was still I was still in the drama triangle with her. And um and I would say that since losing that primary relationship, it's been really difficult for me. Um, I feel have felt very lost and, and I hadn't realized how much like, like she's like Lynn says, the crippling dependency that I had on that primary relationship. Um, that is true for me. And I feel like I'm just barely starting to dig myself out of that. And it's been eight, almost eight months. So even as a rescuer, we are cripplingly dependent on others. Um, and and it's through that that lens that I can't take care of myself that I move into the drama triangle. So I think it's important an important thing to think about, okay? And then the last quote I wanted to share with you is this one. So this is by John Gottlieb. And he has an article uh, called Breaking the Drama Triangle. And he says, the only way to escape the drama triangle is to function as an adult and not participate in the game. Okay. And that's my little teaser for next time, right? So in our next episode about the drama triangle, we're going to talk about how do I get out? <laughs> uh, you've, you know, you've like, I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't want to be on this roller coaster, this cyclone of spinning back and forth between all these three different roles. I want out. And so how do I get out? That's going to be the focus of our next episode about the drama triangle, which will be, excuse me, next week, not this week, but next week, we'll finish up our series on the drama triangle. And again, he says the only way to escape the drama triangle is to function as an adult and not participate in the game. So I'm going to give you some examples of what that means. How do I get out? How do I function as an adult? What are those steps? How do I do it? So that's going to be our next episode. So 
Hope you'll join us for that next week. Um, in the meantime, I want you to remember that no matter what is going on in your life, no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter how f- depressed or down you are, no matter how many cycles you've made through the drama triangle today with a whole bunch of different people, I want you to remember that you are worth recovery. You're 100% worth it. I promise that. I know that. If you don't, you can trust me until you're ready to get there. Um, Please remember that no matter what is going on, that you are worth recovery. 100%. And I know I've said that twice. But that's because it's important to me that you know that. And I think about you. I pray for you. And I love you. Until next time. Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.